Hello, and welcome to the Halloween Podcast, a podcast about all things Halloween. Um, I am your host, Craig, and today's topic is costuming in America. Um, and real quick before I start with that, uh, I wanted to say on the off chance that there is any returning listeners, and I, I, <laughs> I, I, I doubt that there are any, um, but if there are, um, I wanted to apologize for the lack of episodes. Um, perhaps I'm really just apologizing to myself because the idea was I was going to start this pod sometime in September, which come to think of, think of it, um, I think the first episode I released or the, the introduction to the show anyway, I think that was, I think I uploaded that in August. So I've had plenty of time here. Uh, anyway, um, the idea was to start at, at some point in September and continue on all the way through till the end of October at a somewhat w- regular basis, basis um, you know, weekly or as close to weekly as I could get. But um, I am married and I have, a, I have a family and I have a job, so um, I'm busy a lot. And uh, I'm also guilty of being a procrastinator, too, so what do you do? Anyway, costuming, like uh, many other, if not most, aspects of this holiday, it has its roots in the ancient Celtic tradition uh, of the observance of Samhain. Samhain is something we've gone over before in the other episodes, and it's something that we will go over time and time again. Um... If you, if you didn't already know or haven't already gathered, uh, it's very vital to Halloween. <laughs> the, the the holiday of Samhain is a is a big part of Halloween's history, and a lot of the traditions are derived from the celebration of Samhain. Now, I, I believe we cut co- we went over the fact that during the time of Samhain, it was believed that the veil separating the living from the dead was at its thinnest. And the spirit world could spill over into that of the living. And like we learned in the jack-o'-lantern episode, this resulted in both celebration and fear. A celebration of the harvest, welcoming of the winter, appeasing of the spirits, gods, and souls of loved ones, as well as uh, the fear of malevolent spirits, vampires, and so on. The jack-o'-lantern was a way to ward off these negative spirits, and costumes were used to confuse them and possibly defend against possession. The costumes also became a way to symbolize the spirits in celebration. Costumes were a staple in the guising tradition, and uh, guising is essentially what Americans know as trick-or-treating. And again, this tradition stems back to the Celts as well. Uh, Folks would dress up in various costumes, again believed to be an attempt at uh, emulating or representing the spirits, and they would go door-to-door, reciting song and verse in exchange for food and other goods on behalf of the spirits. And I guess this was also believed to offer further protection from the spirits in doing this guising practice. And uh, like many of the other pagan traditions tied to both Samhain and Halloween, the costume tradition would carry over into Christendom. And it was almost identical to the pagan practice of guising, 
uh, or almost identical to the pagan practice of guising, Christians would partake in what's called souling. And again, just think trick-or-treating, but with a spiritual bent. And during All Hallowtide, which is the three Christian celebrations that take place from October 31st to November 2nd, uh, the holidays being All Saints' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day, uh, people would dress up in costume and go door-to-door singing and reciting verse in exchange for soul cakes or treats. And it seems this was largely practiced by children, but adults could also, you know, join in as well. And soul cakes weren't all folks were getting in return for their praises. Uh, apples and ale were favorites too. And um, I personally would be more about that ale than I would the cakes or the apples. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, we could spend more time diving even deeper into into this chunk of time and the pagan and early Christian influence of the tradition. But, um, like everything else on this podcast, we're going to keep it brief, and we're going to go ahead and fast forward uh, a little bit here. And uh, the first recorded account of folks practicing the guising, which real quick, you'll see here, we've already very briefly covered a little bit of um, the history of trick-or-treating. And I think a lot of things on this episode, there's going to be like a lot of cross-pollination on these episodes where in covering one topic, we will partially cover another one. And it's for that reason, I'm kind of unsure if some of these topics are going to get a dedicated episode or not. Um, more on that later. Uh, we'll get to that later. I'm, I'm sure, like I would like to, you know, give each topic a dedicated episode, but, um, I'm also starting to wonder if some of these topics like trick-or-treating are going to kind of get covered. I, I, you know, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll look into getting dedicated episodes for everything. <laughs> um, or not. We'll see. Anyway, um, the first recorded account of folks practicing the guising or trick-or-treating tradition in America was in 1911 in Kingston, Ontario. A rather joyous Halloween celebration was, a, was observed on this day, but was soon after met with opposition due to a perceived lack of morality displayed during its festivities. The celebration was reduced from perhaps a... Oh, from, from after this celebration, because... Um, Again, it was it was rather joyous, you know, people being lewd and drunken and happy and such. <laughs> it offended the townspeople. And so after this, the celebration was reduced from a perhaps drunken and risque party to mainly a children's holiday. So, you know, there was, seems to suggest there was a, uh, like a, an, an effort, a conscious effort to try and, um, change how the, the the public viewed Halloween and uh, make it just for the kids and uh, that's not cool <laughs> I'm glad we've evolved um, early Halloween costumes back to to costuming here uh, early Halloween costumes were often crude homemade takes on traditional Halloween themes like ghosts witches skeletons and the like and of course as time went on the classical, monsters, um, vampires, 
whatnot. Frankenstein. Um, and I must say, as you already probably know, a lot of these early Halloween costumes, these homemade ones, these ones from the early 1900s, they're terrifying. Um, they are really something to look at. I don't know if it's so much the costume itself that's so terrifying, or if it's the the old cameras that they're taken with, and maybe it, like feeling that distance between you and it. If it's a combination of all of it, that's probably what's going on. But they are they are definitely spooky. <laughs> um, yeah. The earliest mass production of costumes date back to around 1910, when the Denison Manufacturing Company began man, uh, producing paper costumes. And also around this same time, the Collegeville Company began making fabric costumes from flag scraps. Uh, and it wasn't until the 1930s when folks really started trying to capitalize on this holiday and companies started sprouting up and selling mass-produced Halloween costumes. Um, I'm going to look more into this, but uh, for, I just, for some reason, find it interesting that during the Great Depression, Halloween was taking off um, and becoming quite popular. Um, maybe it's just my 21st century head, but I associate a lot of Halloween with uh, materialism. Well, I mean, the, there's a lot of money that goes into Halloween. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think of the Great Depression as a time without many resources to be handing out or consuming in large quantities at, in, you know, during festi festivities and such. But, um, yeah, uh, Halloween seems to have been gaining quite a bit of popularity during this time. And maybe it was because it was a night to just let go and rebel and just, you know, it was like a just a free night. <laughs> um, anyway, it was the 1930s when folks really started trying to capitalize on the holiday. And perhaps... The largest and most well-known of the manufacturers to pop up and start making mass-produced Halloween costumes was the Ben Cooper Incorporated. Was Ben Cooper Incorporated, not the Ben Cooper. Uh, founded in 1937 in Brooklyn, New York, the company would go on to be one of the largest manufacturers of Halloween costumes up until it eventually fell apart. Uh, ben Cooper filed for bankruptcy and soon thereafter the company was purchased by Ruby's Costume Company. This happened in the early 90s. Uh, I think it kind of started in the 80s, this decline, uh, specifically the late 80s, and just train wrecked by the, the early 90s. And, uh, and apologies for me saying and does so much. Um, I'm 25, so uh, I was born too late to have any nostalgia <laughs> for Ben Cooper's costumes. Um, but they're definitely not something I am unfamiliar with. Um, I think a lot of people that are, might hear this, if you're in a similar age range and you don't have any particular nostalgic memories of Ben Cooper Incorporated, you're probably familiar with seeing them through pop culture, uh, like, you know, old movies and stuff. It's a very iconic vintage Halloween costume look. They are just essentially these fabric or... I think some of them might have been like a vinyl or plastic material, the actual like smock that you would put on, but I know some of them were also fabric. Anyway, 
uh, it, it, you would wear this smock or this thing you would put over your clothes. Very similar, somewhat similar to the basic Halloween costumes we have today, specifically for children. And uh, a, like a vacuum-formed mask that came with it. Uh, and usually the the uh, the smock had like a some type of graphic on it that was relative to the character. You know, if you were Spider-Man, you had the, the, the web and the spider on the smock. And the mask was, again, it was a vacuum formed. I, th- I th- think somebody said, I read somewhere that it was some kind of latex, but I mean, I'm not a genius when it comes to latex, but it's, it's to me looks like the mask are some type of plastic. I don't know if latex can take on that kind of form, but anyway, that's irrelevant. But they're these thin, cheap looking Halloween masks. Um, held on by a string you know just they're definitely long story short they're definitely um iconic uh i've seen them a lot through film (laughs) and i'm sure you have too and in fact the cover art for this episode is a old school ben cooper uh, costume i'm not sure uh what year but it is a ben cooper costume uh, and I think I also read that the Ben Cooper company would also go on to produce uh, political masks that were very popular. Now, I'm not sure if these were... I didn't research too heavily into this. Um, I'm not sure if they were the, the vacuum-formed plastic masks or if they were the, you know, like the very popular rubber political masks that were popular during that time and up till now. Um, I'm assuming they were probably a vacuum form mask, uh, and maybe the, the more complete full head rubber mask were made by people like Don Post at some point. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not a mask expert by any means. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Halloween costumes have obviously come a very long way, uh, since this time period. Um, and just in general, <laughs> uh, today's costumes can be incredibly simplistic. And again, a lot of people still go with the homemade vibe and that's totally rad, but they can go from the most simplistic cheapo things to elaborate, almost like, you know, screen worthy. Well, I guess that depends on, uh, most of the time, if it's that good, somebody has put this costume together themselves. But I mean, there are some really good mass-produced costumes you can go out there and get as well. Same thing goes with masks. Uh, Masks are crazy. (laughs) Uh, What the the kind of masks people can create these days is is just crazy. So artistic and all, it it can be artistic and abstract to lifelike to completely grotesque to realistic to cartoony. They have come a long way. And uh, what the average person is able to get uh, for 50 to 60 bucks for a mask today is pretty impressive. I know when I was growing up, I was obsessed with masks. And uh, it was an interest that I think that uh, may have been inspired from being obsessed with Halloween as a young child, the film. As a kid, the the Halloween aisle, because not only was the film like my favorite thing in the world, the holiday was my favorite thing in the world, and it still is to this day. Y- you know, duh. <laughs> We're doing a podcast here. Uh, 
Anyway, as a kid, the, the Halloween aisle was always the most magical spot in the store. And the pinnacle being the masks section. I remember always hoping that some year a Myers mask would somehow pop up in one of the local stores, but it never did. Uh, anyway, I, I digress heavily. Uh, when it comes to masks, they obviously grew up alongside costumes and they both share a common history. Uh, most of these were originally very crude and homemade before going on to being mass-produced. And the first masks mass-produced for costumes were mainly made by a company uh, in Woodhaven, New York, fittingly named the U.S. Mask Company. And the earliest of these masks were made by spraying and starching buckram and then laying it over a mold and steaming it. And if you didn't know, I didn't know what buckram was. Um, well, I guess after looking it up, I knew what it was, but I didn't, I, I, I was unfamiliar with that word. <laughs> uh, anyway, buckram is a, it's a stiff cotton woven cloth, essentially. And uh, masks would evolve into vacuum formed masks that we mentioned earlier. They would evolve into the vacuum formed masks that we mentioned earlier by the 1950s. And now when it comes to the U.S. Mask Company, my sources are definitely few. I must admit, uh, I didn't scour the internet, but I did try several searches, but only could find two articles mentioning it. Uh, I think, with, you know, with the, the COVID pandemic still ongoing, most of the results were pertaining to protective face masks and uh, not early Halloween masks. <laughs> uh Anyway, so with that, we'll kind of wrap up, wrap up this portion of the show. And I know that is a very brief history of the tradition. Perhaps, you know, if I had more free time, I could explore these topics in greater depth. And we could do things like explore the history of the deluxe Halloween masks, you know, with companies such as Don Post Studios and others. Or maybe a closer examination of costumes throughout time. Uh, in this episode, we kind of just covered the basic history of the tradition and a very brief rundown of costuming in America. And, uh, you know, again, costuming is one of those traditions that uh, both adults and children can partake in. And it's something everyone that likes Halloween likes to do at least sometimes. So maybe it does warrant uh, further episodes later. Uh, any of these topics could potentially be expanded upon in the future. Um, or even completely redone, who knows. And uh, before I close up here, I, I, I wanted to do like a comparison between the top five Halloween costumes in 1921 and compare that to the costumes of today, you know, just to see how things have changed in 100 years and, uh, you know, if anything remained, which as you can imagine, there's not really a top five list for, uh, for that <laughs> in 1920, as we covered at that time, costumes were really self-made, so there's no sales records or anything like that, and no one on the internet is compiling such a list. <laughs> but I suppose we could assume that the most popular costumes were, again, the classics. Ghosts, witches, skeletons, vampires, clowns, uh, and so on. Um, so, let's assume that that's the top five and uh we will look at now the top 10 costume searches on amazon for 2021 
Number 10 is a women's pirate costume. Number 9, Naruto. Number 8, Dinosaur. Number 7, Among Us. Number 6, Fairy. Number 5, Harley Quinn. Number 4, Spider-Man. Number 3, Witch. Number 2, Cruella Duville, And number 1, Squid Game. Um, almost all of those are pop cultural costumes. Um, no offense, but none of which uh, really tickle my fancy personally. <laughs> I, uh, I like... I like Halloween staying kind of spooky. I mean, it can get silly too, but... And it can get pop culture... Culturally... I can't say it. It can get like this too, but... Um, personally, I wouldn't go for any of these. <laughs> um, so, as you can see, it definitely seems that the witch costume has remained all these years later. Uh, again, but besides the fairy, the pirate, and the dinosaur costumes, all the rest are just pop culture related. And uh, it, it, it seems the witch will always, probably always remain a classic, and that's uh, pretty cool, if you ask me. It's spooky, and it's, it's a classic. Um, so anyway, that pretty much wraps up this episode of Hallow Fiend. Again, I know it was brief. I'm sorry, I'm busy. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too hard to listen to. I know I, I uh, get messed up here and there, but uh, we're, you know, I'm getting used to this. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to say, you know, earlier I kind of touched on how, um, you know, some of these topics I might revisit and, um, or I'd like to go more in depth on and I can't. Um, I just wanted to say that this podcast is is so random and stream of consciousness like everything i'm just recording it as i go when i have the time knocking out what just comes to you know first thing that comes to mind that's why there's no like real um the the, the episodes seem kind of random <laughs> in their content and uh and in their posting everything's pretty random so expect that uh and yeah, uh, again, w some of these topics maybe later down the road I can re-examine when I have more time to research them better or maybe do a part two on them and expand upon them or, you know, explore a different aspect of the topic. And also, I was thinking about um, doing little snippets of shows that are not quite researched or meant to be long format but just like a quick little fun you know five ten minute episode on a little topic maybe call them like fun sized episodes i don't know i thought that would be cool another thing um again i meant to say this before i started that uh little sidetrack there but the 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 podcast is going to be random in the things that i have too uh like, for example, my next episode I have planned on doing is going over John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. Um, you know, with the new Halloween coming out Friday, I'm amped for it. I've, Halloween is my favorite movie of all time, and I, I think it warrants an episode. So I want to do that right around the same time the new Halloween's coming out, the sequel to the 2018 Halloween. Anyway... 
Yeah. See how random that was? Expect that for the whole pod. My brain is just jumping all over the place all the time. So, basically, what I've covered here in the in the end of this episode is to expect randomness. Expect me to revisit episodes. Expand upon ideas. Um, just bear with me, I guess. I've completely lost my train of thought. I, I yeah. <laughs> so, bear with me. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far. I hope if this is your first episode, you'll revisit other episodes. I hope if the things that I just, the ideas I just shared sound interesting that you'll potentially subscribe. Again, like I said, um, next episode is on John Carpenter's Halloween. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, if you don't already know everything there is to know about that, um, yeah hit subscribe and anyway i apologize for all my add here and my rambling and confusion anyway um thank you for listening and until the next episode take care